So Myra Medcalf, you have covered men's college basketball for almost two decades now. And so when you survey this era of the transfer portal and these new competing leagues and the NIL economy, what jumps out at you? How has the sport changed these college campuses that you visit? I think there are a lot of older stars who in a past generation before name and lightness would have turned pro, but instead they decided to come back home and play another year of college basketball because they can make a bunch of money. Oscar Shebway, Kentucky, has a chance to be the first two-time Wooden Award winner since Ralph Sampson 30 years ago. Mm. Shebway, another offensive rebound, takes it strong, in the trees, banks it home. He can be a one-man wrecking crew. Drew Timmy at Gonzaga. Back to Timmy, right side, 15 to shoot. He'll take the three and hit it. Marcus Sasser at Houston. Sasser, long three. Got it! Wow! Woo. Trace Jackson Davis at Indiana. Jackson Davis pirouettes and hammers it down. You know, that's the guy who probably enters the draft and takes his chances, and if it doesn't work out, goes to Europe or, you know, gets into the league and just tries to find his way onto a roster. But instead, he's at Indiana, where I saw him a couple weeks back, and he's rocking custom suits. <laughs> you weren't doing that a year ago, man. Now he's got a tailor. Yeah. And, you know, he's all set up. So things have definitely changed just over the last year with some of the decisions that have been made. And I think that's enhanced the sport. The visuals of it. I hadn't really thought about that yet. But like when you go and visit these kids and you're going to all these campuses reporting, you're seeing what used to be like relegated to like whispers and secrets. Like, look what this guy's driving. Look what he's wearing. Now it's just like out in the open. Yeah, way out in the open. And I'm sure what they're riding around in is different as well. So you can smell the money in the room this year <laughs> and everybody knows it's there rather than past years where some of it was there, but nobody talked about it. But then how does this change the the measuring, the sizing up of the season Broadly, right? If all of these kids who maybe were NBA prospects and still are, are choosing to stick around because they can get paid here, what does that do in terms of the domino effect of like what the power balance in the sport feels like? Well, you know, I think the, the myth about the one and done era is that the freshmen have always dominated. But in actuality, older teams have always dominated college basketball. I think you're going to see a more top-heavy sport with the teams that have veterans because now coaches are even recruiting that way. It was different in a couple of years ago where it was like, go get three, four, five freshmen if you're Kentucky mm -hmm. and that's how you're going to rebuild and we'll just be very young. This year, you know, John Calipari has Oscar Shibway. He's got a bunch of other transfers and he's got a few young guys. And I think that's going to be the domino effect is you're not going to see teams build around freshmen, even the talented freshmen anymore, the sport is going to go to the veterans more than anything else. You're describing a very strange thing. You're describing a sport that is going back to the way it was maybe 30, 40 years ago, but with this new age name, image, and likeness internet money that has also showed up on campus. Yeah, it's like 30 years ago, except that Escalade the guy's driving is legal. (laughs) 
The road to this modern era of college basketball was paved with bad intentions. We should say that plainly now, because the whole sport was premised on the fact that athletes could not and should not make a penny off of their labor, because it would compromise their amateur status, and not coincidentally, the profits of a billion dollar business. But now things are beginning to change. And yes, it is messy and objectively chaotic, and the players still aren't being paid a salary. But today, ahead of tonight's Champions Classic, featuring Kentucky and Duke and Michigan State and Kansas, Myron Medcalf catches us up on what we need to know about the sport today. And he takes us on some campus visits like we've never seen before. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Tuesday, November 15th. This is ESPN Daily. So, Myron, you traveled the entire country interviewing college coaches and college players, and you just mentioned some of them that are staying in school longer than they probably would have like a year or two ago. So what is the simple math behind one of these decisions to stay look like? No one's showing up with an envelope in the middle of the night and and handing it to your star player. Like he has an agent and he signed a deal that everybody knows about. So I think that's the difference. Like North Carolina is a good example. Armando Baycott was great throughout the NCAA tournament, led his team to the national championship. And that's a guy who a couple of years ago probably goes pro, says, hey, let's see what happens. No guarantees for him. But I think he would have tested the waters and would have tried it. This year, you know, his mom says, yeah, my boy's probably going to make over a half million dollars this year. He's coming back. Mm. And you're going to see more guys who are like, I can be a college star at a big school. I can make a couple million dollars and then I can think about turning pro rather than coming into college and going, how quickly can I get to the NBA? Right. I mean, the NBA, basically, it's like, hey, if you're a second rounder, right? Or if that's where you're going to start off at your career in the NBA, like, why? Yeah. Why not just come back and and live the life of being a big man on campus, which might be better than it's ever been? Oh, man, I can't think of anything better, you know? And, and I think a lot of these guys have kind of figured that out. You can be a hero. And now, no matter what happens to you in the NBA or at the pro level, you come back and you spent three, four, maybe even five years on campus. I think there's something to be said about that. And, and the money that they're making, some of the top stars, is actually probably more than they would make as a second round pick or even a, you know, a two-way player at the next level. So the financial incentive is real for these guys. But in terms of like what the rest of the economy looks like, how would you describe that for people who aren't, who aren't caught up to speed on just the diversity of opportunities here? Yeah, I think there are a lot of transfers. You know, I mean, the transfer portals changed college basketball. I mean, more than 2,000 players transferred across the sport at the Division One level. So that's unique, immediate eligibility. So a Malachi Smith goes from a mid-major to playing for Gonzaga. You also have some young talent. I mean, we can't forget Duke has, you know, Derek Lively, Derek Whitehead is hurt, but those are two projected lottery picks. Nick Smith Jr. at Arkansas is going to be a top five pick. I mean, so there are some standout freshmen as well. Yeah, I'm trying to wrap my brain around 2,000 players. How would you describe how different that is compared to what it used to be? Because the number, to be very clear about this, was nowhere close to 2,000. Yeah, I remember, I want to say a decade ago, when 400 players transferred and coaches around the country were saying, we have a gigantic problem in college basketball. 
Yes. It was an apocalypse at the time. Yes. One player on average, you know, per roster or whatever it was. And people were were really, really scared and really worried. And it was sort of the mantra of the sport. Imagine five times that now that you can play immediately. So yeah. that's just going to be the culture. I know a coach who said his new pitch, he's a non-Power 5 coach. He said his new pitch is telling prospects, listen, if you stay three years with me, I can get you to a Power 5 school. <laughs> like, that's how he's recruiting. Like, he's basically Yo. making himself the G League of college basketball. And you're going to see more of that. Man, that's amazing. The idea that now you could be a lesser part of the food chain and be open and honest about that with recruits. It does feel like there's this greater level of just like transparency now as to like what everyone's incentives here are. But in terms of the coaches who remain uncomfortable with the transfer portal, what's the pushback been like? Are there still holdouts in terms of coaches who just are, are howling at the moon over the fact that now the transfer portal is basically creating all of this chaos? The problem with this transfer portal conversation and the way coaches talk about it is let's say I'm a star player looking to transfer. How do I know where the opportunities are? Like, how do I know there's going to be an opportunity for me? Well, clearly all of these coaches are telling their staff to go out and let people know that there's a spot for them. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, it's one of those things where you might knock it publicly, but privately you participating in the chaos. So I would say most coaches have leaned into it and a lot of the guys who maybe don't, I think some of those guys got out. I think that affected Coach K and how he saw the landscape. I mm. think it affected Roy Williams. And I think it affected Jay Wright in terms of like, you know what? I don't want to be a part of, of this new culture where I might have to recruit a new team every year. But that's just the reality. It's going to be more difficult to hold on to teams. Even with returning veterans coming back, the continuity just won't be there because there will be so many transfers. And you either get with the program or your team will get left behind. But it does sound like the coaches who either naturally enjoy or at the very least are really good at recruiting. Like this is this is their time, right? The coaches who are perpetually recruiting, it's, it's actually now even more important to literally do that. Yeah, and like, you know, a lot of this is moving up. Like, so a lot of players who are being recruited They've always dreamed of going to Duke or Kansas or Carolina. And now suddenly, Pablo, you're a sophomore at some mid-major program and you get that call. Like, it's still just like you were in high school. Mm. That's still your dream, you know? It's one thing to be at a school and there are a bunch of sedans and minivans in the parking lot. When that sports car pulls up, you're going to look. And I think <laughs> that's what's happening for a lot of guys as well. They're viewing this as not just moving to a place where I can get more playing time because that's happening. But a lot of guys are almost moving up, seeing this as a level-to-level -level thing in college basketball. Just because you're a senior and you're 21 or you're 22, if you've always wanted to play at Duke or Kentucky or a school like that, that dream never dies, and now you have that opportunity. And so what you're saying, too, is that the hierarchy of college basketball is almost more clear than it's ever been. It's that now we actually can trace via transfers like where the power in the sport where the brand power where the actual success level where all of that stuff truly resides yeah and another factor in that is not only moving up you know so many schools have collectives yeah so many schools are, are attached to big boosters who are putting three four five hundred thousand dollars in people's pockets so there's that component of it as well where 
players are going to, to schools where they feel like they'll have a better NIL opportunity along with what it can do for their basketball career. Yeah. Is there a player specifically that you think of as almost the case study here for exactly that dynamic? Is there somebody that comes to mind when you think about, oh, this is how it is now and it's not how it used to be? Tyrese Hunter was a freshman at Iowa State last year. Very, very good player. A guy who could have been, you know, a future NBA guy, a standout for three, four years at Iowa State. After the NCAA tournament, he decides he's going to transfer. And I've talked to Tyrese about this. He says NIL had no bearing in what he decided to do. But all the reports suggest that there was a lot of money out there. Mm. And I've talked to coaches who said it was going to take a lot of money to keep him at Iowa State. He ends up in Texas. I don't know what he got. But I certainly know that there are players at his level who made a half million dollars, yeah. you know, in their moves to transfer to another school. So I think Tyrese Hunter is a good example of what could happen. You might say, I'm a power five school. Of course, this kid is going to stay. But if a school that's surrounded by people with deep pockets wants that player, it's not just what he can do on the court. It's what he can do off the court. And I think Tyrese Hunter helped himself on the court, because I think he's going to a great program. He would have been at a great program at Iowa State too, but really good situation with Chris Beard. But I'm certain he also got paid to make the move legally, of course, with NIL opportunities, and that factored into his decision. What you're saying is that the upper echelon, the Texases and on, right, the big, big name, big money programs, this really is the rich getting richer, which means what to the programs left behind. Yeah, it means there's just going to be, it'll be more difficult to compete. But what happened is the Iowa states of the world, after these moves happened, their boosters got together and said, we got to find a way to make sure this doesn't happen. So I would say last summer, there were a lot of schools and the boosters around those schools who said, listen, we're not going to jump into the dirt. We're, we're not going to get into this situation where essentially you're paying for talent. Because in a lot of circumstances, that's what name, image, and likeness is. It's just legal. Yes. So... I think a lot of schools who didn't take it seriously or who wanted to look like they were holier than thou, that's gone. Now you're seeing schools accelerate creating collectives, creating, you know, these opportunities and brand managers so that people feel like if you go to their school, NIL is embraced. That wasn't the case a year ago, but now if it's not the case, if you don't have people on your staff who are all in on NIL, and helping players understand their value, you're going to get left behind. And I think that's what's changed in college basketball. Coming up, private barbershops, secret arcades, and the changing business of college basketball facilities. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. 
So when I wake up and I try to figure out, okay, who are the teams that have figured out this game the best? Meaning that now they're actually just the best teams in the country, right? Who are you thinking of, Myron? Who is atop the whole nation right now in terms of those power rankings at that very top level of this hierarchy? Well, I think Kentucky is, is always going to be there with the recruiting class that I know they're going to sign. Kentucky is going to have an edge. Duke's going to have an edge for the returning talent, for the transfers, and even for the freshmen just because of their pedigree, their resumes. And then let's also remember facilities play such a major role in this as well, going from one school to another. You might be at a pretty good school, and then Kansas calls, and then you go to their private dorm with a rooftop and a chef and a barber shop and a basketball court all inside the private dorm. That might convince you that you want to go to Kansas rather than stay where you are. But hold on. You mentioned a barber and a chef. Yeah. That's where we are now. We got, we got in-house barbers and chefs on college campuses for these teams, man. I'll tell you what. You go to Kansas, man. You can play basketball all night. They've got a basketball court in their private dorm. They've got a cool barber shop, like a, the real barber shop <laughs> in the dorm. It's like this rooftop set up. And yeah, you've got a chef. If you, if you want meals, uh, you, you're not going down the street to the fast food place that you play for the national champions. Those meals are going to be privately cooked and customized by a chef. Yeah, who else, who else has facilities like that? How unique is that at this point? It's becoming more and more of the norm. I don't know about the chefs and things like that, but having that facility, having this, this sort of customized and automated system. You know, I was at uh, Tennessee a couple of years ago, and they have an incredible facility. Uh, Rick Barnes is a big video game guy, so he's got like all of these video games set up around the uh, locker room, around the practice wait, facility. Wait, Rick Barnes is a video game guy in the sense that he appreciates how much players love video games or he himself plays video games. No, no, he's all in all on video games. Like he plays. Like he what? challenges yeah, he challenges players on the roster to to like playing all these games. Like he's known. For is he it, so. and and, he, and he's good? Very good. Like one of the best. Like he has like a, <laughs> there's a, there's a motorcycle game, you know, that he plays, but apparently Golden T is where he like, he's been the king for like a decade. But he's got Ooh. all this stuff situated in the practice facility. They've got like a movie theater set up where they watch film. And then when you get out of practice and you get out of film, there's this customized meal that you take home. And, you know, like they have so many things that are just there for them at Nebraska. Uh, the Dominican Sioux just built an Olympic-style weight room for them. I mean, that's what you're getting. And those are the things that people are talking about. Name, image, and likeness is big. But having access to some of these little wrinkles at these practice facilities, at these arenas, like that makes a huge difference for how players see these schools. No, now I'm just imagining, I mean, beyond imagining uh, Rick Barnes um, picking up the sticks and destroying teenagers, <laughs> I'm imagining these teenagers basically like, it sounds like they're just scrolling on Zillow where they're like, oh, what what, this, what does this house got? Yeah, I mean, you go to Baylor and you're sitting at your locker stall and you look up and there's either an Xbox or a PS5 and you're playing games. Below the Xbox monitor, right, is a TV that shows all of your individual highlights from throughout the year, right? To, to, get into, to get into the practice facility, you put your hand on like this Star Trek thing and it opens the door. It takes your fingerprint, right? So like these are the things we're talking about that go beyond name, image, and likeness that are just about college basketball investing more and more 
in the product and what they can pitch to all of these potential recruits. I like the idea that Coach K retired because he wasn't good at Call of Duty. <laughs> That's, that could be it, man. Rick Barnes <laughs> changed the game. Like People want no parts of him in Golden 2. After the break, why everybody wants a part of Bronny James. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Myron, in the middle of all of this uh, increasingly gilded chaos, let's call it, I do need to ask you about Bronny James. Because Bronny, if you somehow don't have internet access but are listening to this podcast, Bronny is LeBron's older son. He is a kid who probably grew up with all of the amenities you've talked about at these fancy new facilities in his house already. And so what is the race to land him looking like? Is he even going to college? Yeah, all sides point to him going to college, and I think it'll be a huge storyline. I got to give Brother James credit. I, I don't know how you evolve and, and grow when your father is the greatest player of all time with that spotlight. I mean, I've been at an event with Brother James with his security detail, and some high school girls wanted to come and take selfies, and the security team was like, everybody bag five feet. But, but he's become still like a normal young man, and I think it's just so difficult to imagine him doing that. So I think Bronny James, wherever he goes, will be the biggest story probably in college basketball. It'll be bigger than DJ Wagner, who's the top recruit. It'll be bigger than Oscar Sheway winning the Wooden Award again, just because of who he is and what that will mean for whatever school he chooses. Because this is not just a question about, man, this kid is a top 30 recruit. It's, man, this is a top 30 recruit who has essentially the eyes of the entire internet and the mainstream sports media always on him, basically. Yeah, I'm guessing wherever he signs next year, I will be there frequently, you know, just because <laughs> it's just going to be the main story. But on top of it is, Bronny's actually made himself like a legit prospect. I mean, that's the story that people are talking about. It's not just his dad's LeBron. He's gotten a lot better, and people haven't had a chance to see that. And I think they will uh, whenever he gets a chance to play at this level. 
Yeah, what kind of a player is he, Myron? How would you describe the style of play? As I presume here, yeah, you are uh, maybe rooting for him to go to a warm weather school. Yeah, he, he is uh, a very smart player, like his father. You know, I think he's inherited the IQ more than anything. He's not 6'8", you, you know, he's 6'2", 6'3", uh, but he has that basketball vision. Physically, he's certainly ready to play at this level. And I think he just makes the right plays. And he's going to make whatever team he goes to better. And I think that's a lot, you know, to say about any player. But certainly when you've got the spotlight that he has on him all the time, he can be a very selfish player. And people would sort of go, yeah, that's LeBron's kid. That's what he does. But he's not. He's selfless. He's trying to make the guys around him better. And that's what he'll do at the next level, too. Wait, so handicap the race for me. What's, what's the, what's your, what are you hearing as to where he might end up? Well, I mean, there are a lot of schools you hear about, but I think the, what you hear in basketball circles is he's probably going to a Nike school. I mean, that's a, his father signed a lifetime deal, so it's hard to imagine him going to a school that's sponsored by Adidas or Under Armour or something. Right. So then that gets down to Ohio State, Oregon, Memphis, you've heard, Michigan, you've heard. At the same time, Bronny doesn't do interviews. So no one really right. knows exactly what he's thinking. He, he's not one of these guys who put out a top 10 list. Here are the schools I'm looking at. So, so much of it is mysterious. Right, right, right. So at the end here, Myron, who do you got winning this thing? Who's your final four? That's a good question, man. I, I think I'm going with Kentucky. I think I'll pick North Carolina. Obviously, I think a lot of people are picking North Carolina. I think I picked them to win it. Um, and then from there, it's 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 challenging, man. I could see Gonzaga making a run and ending up there for sure. I could see Duke evolving and becoming that team. Um, I think they're just a lot of contenders. But Kentucky and North Carolina, for me, are, are locks. At least they feel that way. I like UCLA as my sleeper to get in. A lot of people are talking about UCLA. Amari Bailey is a five-star recruit. A lot of people know that name because his mom, you know, dated Drake for a little bit, and that was oh kind of a whole God, thing. Oh, my God, that's and right. So he's out there, and, but, but he's a really good player. <laughs> <laughs> he's a really Byron, good player. Bart, I say this all the time when I cover NIL and college sports, but I feel so old, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. we, are, we are that old, but just... Just to tell you a little bit about name, image, and likeness and kind of the impact of what it what it's done, Amari Bailey bought his mom a Porsche oh, before man. UCLA in high school. So <laughs> that's the way the game has changed with NIL. Yeah, in other words, if you are reading this, it's too late. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, man, as always. Thanks for having me, man. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.